Hear these words again from Luke chapter 12. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The word of God for the people of God. So both of our passages today are pretty heavy ones. It's not quite as joy-filled as we may expect from the gospel, but it's also a very real story. And we read this first story from Isaiah, which is titled The Song of the Vineyard, which again, that sounds like a happier passage than maybe we saw with this man who was, who was uh, building this great vineyard decided to destroy the entire thing. Instead, the prophet Isaiah, he goes into this encounter of, again, this terrible farmer who destroys their crops when he doesn't get what he thought that they signed up for. The man in the song, he has a vineyard, and his intent was to produce grapes. And so he worked really hard, and he gave it his all, and he was doing all of the right things to tend to the vineyard. But then he realized that the fruit of his labor was actually wild grapes which he had no interest in. And so he did the logical thing, which was to destroy the entire vineyard and ruin all semblances of future growth. I think this story might be far out, so it's hard for me to find something to relate it to, but let me give this a shot. We maybe can liken this incident to us going to the grocery store and really wanting some Honeycrisp apples, let's say. And then when we get there, after we've traveled all that way and maybe got our kids in the car or, or got ourselves put together to make our trek to the store, there are plenty of apples around us, but there's no Honeycrisp apples. And we all know that those are the kind that we're seeking, right? If we were like the person in the story, we wouldn't be sensible about it and choose a different kind of apple to take home with us. We instead would knock all of the other apples out of their bins, completely destroying the Granny Smith apples and the Red Delicious apples and all of the other varieties. Because we came a long way for a certain thing and we got something completely different than was expected. Still in the same family, but different than what we had hoped for. Now again, this apple example is dramatic. And I'd like to believe that none of us would act this way even on our worst days. But Isaiah is writing in parables for a reason, so that we can understand. Using a parable is a writing tool that we use to help the hearer understand a tough problem in a way that's not so in-your-face and accusatory. Often it's a little bit easier for us to be removed from problems in order for us to see our relationship to them. It's like the saying of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. The removal and the retreat, it gives us a certain perspective that we wouldn't have when it, when it was a, a blameful game or a shameful call out to just us. 
This parable of the vineyard is pointing at the idea of expectation. We like structure to some extent, and we don't like uncontrollable change. These are pretty human characteristics, and they stand the test of time, as we see here in this Isaiah passage. The man from the vineyard had a tantrum, essentially, because something unexpected was growing out of his labor. A new thing was in his midst in the form of wild grapes, and he didn't like it because the element of change is scary, even changing our own thinking and assumptions. Our second passage, our gospel passage from Luke, it goes right along with the first one. The title of this passage in the Bible, which I found a little funny, is Jesus, the Cause of Division. And so again, we can already guess that there's going to be some sort of conflict. And this time, the conflict is not over grapes, but people. And so we have Jesus coming in strong here, and this is a Jesus that maybe we don't imagine Jesus to be. He's pretty angry. He seems a little bit like vengeful or like he has something that he's going to call people out on. And he does that. And that's a different kind of Jesus than the one who talks to children in this loving voice, right? This is a different one than um, the Jesus who feeds the hungry. And so it may make some of us uncomfortable to see Jesus in this light. And that is okay. Jesus, to give you some context, he's coming on the scene in this passage today at a pretty stressful time. As we read, he came to bring fire to the earth, a kindled flame of baptism, and none of that is done yet. It's stressing Jesus out to see his time on earth running low and his vision not yet being carried out yet. We all have operated under some sort of a deadline before, and that is where Jesus is coming from right now. A huge deadline. His annoyance and his frustration and his stress, it also goes further than just having a lot to do. This stress is coming from the people that he's trusting to help him, his disciples, his friends. They are not seeing the vision that Jesus is trying to make a reality. But instead of listening to Jesus, instead of grasping his vision and going out and taking it over, the people are turning an eye to what he's asking them to do in their discipleship. There's something profoundly telling about our tendency to like a side of Jesus that is loving and heals the sick and talks to children but our distaste or discomfort with a Jesus who challenges us to do better and to be better. It says a lot about our love of comfort and the disciples' love of comfort than anything about Jesus himself. But the great thing about him, the great thing about Jesus, and one of the key reasons that people have followed him for all of this time is that Jesus reveals to us the things that we can't see or can't yet see. Sometimes we can't see those things because we're not open to change. And sometimes it's happening because of our social location or our privilege. And sometimes we can't see Jesus' vision because it hasn't quite happened yet. Because it's on the horizon. In this passage, Jesus is telling the crowds, listen to me, you're not getting it. 
In order for us to survive this thing, we need to die. We need to let go of what was and be willing to let a new thing come from it. And this new thing, Jesus says, it's going to be new and different and probably confusing to you all. But this new thing is what will sustain us and grow us and teach us more about God and humanity than watching this old thing pass away slowly. Our first passage from Isaiah it has shown us what happens when we only allow ourselves to focus on the one thing that we've wanted in the past. It showed us that we will get disappointed again and again when we see something new growing and sprouting out. And then we will go against the flow of newness, holding tight to what has been, but destroying the good fruit in the process. If we are not okay with change and newness and different expectations, that is what Isaiah is teaching us will happen. Instead, in our gospel today, Jesus is asking us to trust him. To trust that the fruit sprouting even the wild grapes, the directions that we are being called to do, will be worth it. And I've grown up in the church my whole life, and so I know as well as the rest of you that, church is that change, especially on a church level, is scary. We don't like it. We don't do it maybe as often as we need to. And so I am with you on that. We love comfort zones. We love traditions. And the difference, gladly, good news, is that between us and Jesus, we are not the ones who get to determine the vision for our future Big C Church, the worldwide church. The passage in Luke is urging us to loosen up that tight grasp that we have on our existing structures, and instead look for life in other places. If you follow United Methodist News at all, you will have seen this week that newness is already starting to grow in our denomination. More and more places are understanding and seeing that we may just have to let this idea of staying together go, and instead divert our attention to what might be next, to what God is calling us to beyond this. Our bishop, Bishop Hagia, has asked us and called us to take seriously that question of what is next, and specifically what is next for our church. In September, we're going to be holding visioning sessions here in our congregation for us to draft a vision statement that responds to the statement, I see a new church. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to explore that together as we are in a time where the soil is ready for new seeds to be planted, for attention to be given to the vision that Jesus has for our church and that us as part of the church has for the future of our church. Where is new growth sprouting that we aren't looking at because we're spending time tending dying plants? What might we need to loosen our grip on to give attention to something else? How will you dream and envision and carry out this new church in your commitment to make disciples for the transformation of the world? We, friends, have been given a call. 
And church, it's a very specific call, and it's an extremely timely one. Times are changing, and we are given the opportunity to continue in the work in this new time that we're living in. So my call and my challenge to you is to think together about where we will be working, about if we will be waiting for those grapes to pop up or if we will be the ones who are looking in other places for things like those wild grapes to come to the surface. As we leave this place, may we be looking for Jesus' visions in the places that we cannot yet see. May we see our role as planters and growers as a role that changes, not one that is constant forever. And may we learn and see the goodness of holy adjustment, our intentional shift that turns our gaze always toward the love of God here and now. Let us pray. Gracious God, who creates in us good fruit, we thank you for your vision, the ways you see what we do not, and your patience in us looking to see it too. Create in us a spirit of generosity, of curiosity, and of freedom, that we might see sprouts and turn towards them, and to you to see our new church more fully. In your humble and growth-filled name we pray. Amen. Amen.